going to talk to you tonight a little bit about our series, Gift Givers. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight about borrowed gifts and being prepared for Jesus' coming with these gifts, all right? So uh, a lot of people gave to Jesus in his ministry, all right? We can think, I said this morning, we can think about the five loaves and the two fish with the little boy. We can think about homes that Jesus stayed in. We know he stayed with Peter some. We know he stayed in different homes, probably with Mary and Martha. We know he stayed with Simon the leper, uh, like we talked this morning about in Bethany on the night of before Passover. We know that he borrowed boats. At one time, he just got into a boat that he saw, and I don't even know if they gave him permission, but he got into a boat, went out there, and started preaching from the boat. So somebody lent Jesus his boat, and throughout his ministry, in three years, people, you'll notice it says they got into a boat, and they went across. Whose boat was it? I don't know. But somebody lent him a boat to get in and go across in. So somebody had been allowing for Jesus' ministry. You can think about the food that he ate. Uh, He never had a job uh, during his ministry time. Maybe when he was a child he did. But during his ministry time, uh, Peter's mom would prepare, prepare meals. Martha and Mary prepared meals. We would know Pharisees would invite him in. Tax collectors like Levi would invite him in to take a meal. We know Zacchaeus would offer him in and provide Jesus a meal. So many gifts were given unto Jesus during his time there. Many people made it possible for his ministry. We know the sinful woman And also Mary of Bethany gave precious perfume as a gift to anoint his head and his feet. And Luke even mentions some women who supported his ministry financially. Luke 8, 1 says this, Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness, one being Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's own steward, and Susanna, and many others were contributing to their support out of their private means. There were some wealthy widows who would follow and ensure Jesus had a place to stay, a place to eat, and uh, ministry funds for their own deal. Think about Mary Magdalene. Because of her revelation, she's bound with seven demons. And you know, a demonic, a person who's oppressed or possessed by demons, they're going to be probably, in some sense, uh, emotionally unstable. They're going to be bitter and mean. They might have suicidal thoughts. They may cut themselves. They may be uh, lashing out in anger. They may steal and lie and cheat. Just a very unhappy, uh, bitter, evil person. Not the person, but that's because of that influence. And then when Jesus comes and set her free, she gets a revelation of who he is and what he can do and what he has done for her. So guess what? She leaves all she has, and she begins following. And whatever, however she had funds, we're not sure about her life situation, but it says that she helped continue the ministry of Jesus through her own private means. So there's one person there who is a gift giver, because of a response to a revelation of who he was. And she gave up her possessions in faith according to that revelation, okay? So that is worship. That's gift-giving. And each of these responded to this revelation, doing whatever they could as an act of worship. So our question tonight, what is our response to the revelation of Jesus? Are we gift-givers, and are we prepared in case he shows up? So look with me in Mark chapter 11, verse uh, one, 
I want to talk about two men tonight, just really briefly before we can pray. Mark chapter 11, verse 1, uh, two men. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Anybody ever ridden a horse or a donkey that has never been ridden before? You probably did not ride it very long, right? Okay, uh, I know my, my cousin Lee, you've met him who's preached here before. He tried that one time, got bucked off into a barbed wire fence. Ask him about it sometime. So uh, untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he'll send it back here. And they went away and found the colt. There it is, tied to the door outside of a street. And they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying this colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, which is the Lord has need of it. He'll bring it right back. And they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus, put their coat on it, and he sat on it. Okay, let's put this in USA Today, real life times, okay? You're in Walmart. Your car is parked outside. You're coming back with your groceries. Someone is in your car starting it and driving away. And you say, what are you doing in my car? Well, the Lord has need of it. We'll bring it right back. How many people would say, okay, that's fine. Go, go be blessed in Jesus' name, right? Come on, think about it. Is that not true? This donkey and, and a, mom, a mama donkey and a baby donkey, okay? They're both there together. We're going to take this. Jesus wants it. We'll bring it back. Okay, well, Jesus needs it. That's okay. I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in the owner's position here. When you read the Bible, make it real. Make it interesting, right? Where would I be? I would be like, dude, I don't know you from Adam. There are 30,000 people coming in and out of Jerusalem to now. There are normally only 30,000 people in Jerusalem today, but because of the festival, there's probably 100,000 plus. There are tons of strangers. It is bumper to bumper. There are carnival workers everywhere. There are people selling and buying. There's trash in the street. It is hustle bustle. And some two dudes I've never seen before come up here and say, hey, we're going to borrow your donkey. We'll bring it right back. You will probably, in this America, you will never see that again. You will never see your donkey again. It's not coming back. It's gone, right? Some kids went hot riding on your donkey, and they left it tied out in the woods somewhere because it's not coming back. That's how it would be today. But likely, these two people, whoever the owners were, had probably heard Jesus speak. Everybody knew Jesus was in town. They heard this great miracle worker from, from these last three years had come to their, their city. And Jesus had come every year to Jerusalem, but now he had just risen Lazarus from the dead. So the dude who raised a guy from the dead is here in the town. And when they said teacher, they probably knew what they meant. And so they said, hey... The big evangelist, the big prophet, the big guy who's in town, he wants to borrow your donkey. He'll be right back. And in that case, you probably would think, man, I'm kind of honored to lend him because I know who he is. And maybe this person had heard him speak at a revival camp meeting the night before. And maybe they've been touched by his words. Maybe they in this moment are responding to a revelation by faith. Here's the deal. They did not know what that donkey would be used for. Think about this in your life. When God asks you for things, 
hey, let me borrow your time. Can I borrow your time? I want you to go talk to someone. I'm not telling you why I need you to go talk to someone. Call that person up. You don't know why you need to call that person up, but call that person up. Hey, can you sacrifice a little money here and give to that person in need? You don't know why they need it or what they need it for. Or maybe can I, lend you, can I, can I borrow your car? Jesus wants to borrow your car for you to go pick up somebody and take them to somewhere. But to church, maybe, or to, to the store, maybe, or the doctor's office, maybe. But you don't really know all the details, but you go with it. You know what I'm talking about today? We don't always know the why, but when God says, may I use your life, what should our response be? They did not know what the cult would have been used for. Think about this. They did not know that in just a few moments, there would be a mass revival, a spontaneous worship service would break out and people would be singing Hosanna in the highest to the Messiah King of Kings. They did not know that would happen. They did not know that their cult, their own property, would be used to fulfill messianic fulfillment, messianic prophecy that in Zechariah 9, it says that he will come on a colt riding on a donkey. That king of peace would come in Zechariah 9. They didn't know that I had the donkey that fulfilled. Isn't that crazy? Could you, and the donkey comes back and you're like, dude, I'm going to like put this donkey in the stable. It will never work a day in its life. Jesus has sat on this donkey. Isaiah saw this donkey a thousand years ago, right? And that donkey is my donkey, right? Come on, just be real with me for a second. Wouldn't you think that? It'd be like, holy cow, my donkey fulfilled messianic prophecy. Isn't that kind of crazy? But what would it be like when we get to heaven and we could say, God, I gave you my time to serve those kids in kids' church. And one of those kids went on to do great and mighty things. I did not know how my time would impact your kingdom. But now when in heaven and glory, I can say, wow, my time was valuable for kingdom glory. Or maybe it was that financial offering to support a missionary one time that made an impact in souls being saved around the globe. Or maybe it was something you did something minuscule, just letting somebody borrow something or being a blessing to someone or calling and encouraging someone, but responding to whatever the Holy Spirit says, hey, can I borrow your whatever? Can I borrow your time? Can I borrow your talents? Can I borrow your treasures? Can I borrow that thing in your life? Can you let that thing be used for the glory of God? I'll give it back to you, but would you give me your life. And one day we're going to understand why. We may not understand it now, but our challenge should be if the master has use of it, Lord, yes. God, yes. Take it, Lord. Take it, Lord. I know that donkey would be very useful to me and I could do great things with it and he'll plow some fields and he'll do some good things and he'll eat his carrots and all that. My kids will love him and they'll call him Bob and all whatever. It's going to be a great donkey. But man, when I see what it could be used for in the master's hand, it, it's eternal. It's eternal. That donkey might just be in heaven. Maybe he was on Shrek. I don't know. But, but that's, think about it. That donkey had a special place in biblical prophecy. And it was all because a person said, yes, the Lord has need of it, I give it. 
What is it in your life tonight that could be surrendered to the master's service? Maybe the Holy Spirit has been trying to ask you for things, your time, your talent, your treasure, things in your life that we are holding on to. We're so busy with all the things that could be used for and things I want it for and things I need it for. So, you know, I've got something creative in you. Maybe, maybe there's something you're not doing you're supposed to be doing. And if you would just surrender that, God would get the glory. Now, let's look. That's the first guy. Let's look at the second guy, Mark 14, verse 12, very similar. Mark 14, verse 12, on the first day of the leavened bread. So that was, the, that was just then. This is uh, around about the same time. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, this is a, at the, that was at the beginning of the week on Palm Sunday. This is at the end of the week on Friday or Thursday, however your Jewish calendar would work. On the first day of the unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, and disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples went out, come to the city, found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover, this would be the Last Supper, the night Jesus would be betrayed, the night right up of the crucifixion. Now, again, let's bring it to today. You're going through your day at work. Holy Spirit prompts into your heart. Because I don't believe some commentators will say, well, maybe Jesus had a prearranged. I don't believe that. I think this is a God thing. You're at Walmart. You're, or sorry, you're going through your day, and Holy Spirit drops it in your, ho- your heart and says, hey, tonight... Six o'clock, when you get home, you need to make supper for 25 people. 25 people, and I'm not telling you who, where, when, or why, or when they're going to come, but you need to have food for 25 people prepared and set out in your house. I can imagine John comes home, Angie's there. She's got 25 table or seats and tables, you know, she's got that, and then the whole room is prepared. John's coming home and saying, I can't eat all this. You know, like, I mean, like, think about it. You would think... You went to Walmart and bought food for 25 people. Who's the 25 people? I don't know. When are they coming? I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to provide food for 25 people that may or may not show up tonight. You crazy. You're crazy, right? How many people would do that? Put the bill, get it all ready, vacuum your house, clean it all, set everything out, put the forks and knives and spoons and think, I have no idea if I'm crazy or if I'm hearing Jesus. I've been there before. I don't know. Sometimes you're like, I don't know. Is this me? Is this God? I'm just going to take a step of faith. I hope it's God. Sink or swim. Here I am, Jesus. And, and here we are. And then even interesting, it says that you will see a man carrying a water pot. Now, in Jewish culture, women were the ones who carried the water pot. So it would have been an even a more odd thing. So in the thousands of people going through the street, Jesus makes a, defi- a divine appointment. He doesn't tell the disciples where or how. He could have said, here's the street, the house number, it's painted green or anything. No, he says, look for a man carrying a water pot. It would be the only man on the whole street carrying a water pot. And when you find him, follow him. And this guy's thinking, who are these guys following me into my house? And we go in. Well, maybe they're the guys. They come in and they say, where's the room? prepared. Wouldn't you just be like, whew, I didn't do that for nothing, right? It was God. And I think about this. 
This man, however, he knew, maybe he, again, heard Jesus. Maybe he was a disciple of Jesus. The Holy Spirit clearly was speaking to him, or he had some sense of what he was supposed to do. Now, it gets back into the culture a little bit. On In that day, this is why it's even more powerful. In that day, with thousands of people, in the street, Jewish people would often open up their homes for people. Probably this was an inn, some kind of an inn, because of the size of the room in the upper room. It might have been an inn. And so, even more so, hotels were booked months in advance, okay? Get that in the modern lingo. They were booked in months in advance. It'd be like going to New Orleans at a very popular time of the year and trying to find a hotel, or going to some city and, 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 the, and when the Super Bowl is going on and trying to get a hotel. You're not going to find one, right? And here's this guy, and everybody's probably saying, can I use your room? Can we rent your room out? Can we have your room? Sorry, sorry, somebody's coming. Who's coming? I don't know, but somebody's coming. It's the last day. This is the end of the feast, the end of the festival. Somebody should have been staying in that room all week long. Even the week before, that room should have been filled. No doubt if this man had a wife or a family, and especially if they were getting money off this room, probably not. They Jews were very hospitable. But you think, That room's been empty all week, honey. There's a lot of people who could have used that room. What are we doing? That room's always full. Every Passover, we put all kinds of families in that place. But no, 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 honey, this is special. Nobody's supposed to be in there. Nobody's supposed to celebrate Passover in that room. I don't know why, but the Lord just told me that I needed to be ready for when he came. Does that not sound like what we ought to be doing today in this day and age? Being, I don't know why we're doing the things the way we're doing, but my heart has been swept clean. There's a place at the table for when he comes. My guest room is open and ready. My heart has got a spot for Jesus at the head of the table. And when he comes, he can just walk on in and take his seat. You see, that's, that's where we are today. Can you imagine what it would have been like for that man and how that should be for us. The owner would have had that room furnished and ready. It says Peter and John would have come. They would have went and purchased the uh, this Passover lamb. They would have found a lamb. They would have taken it to the temple. They would have had it sacrificed. They would bring that lamb back up into that room. They would roast it and prepare it. And maybe that man had already prepared all the other things. There would be unleavened bread and, and bitter herbs would be there on that table. It says it was furnished and ready. There would be seats set out. I think it was the perfect number of seats. I don't even know that he knew, but it was 12 seats around that table. I think he knew that. I think God just put that in his heart. And all the furnishings, the wine would be there and all this stuff. And the disciples would come and prepare it. And some people think the reason that none of this happened in advance is because Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. And he didn't want anybody interrupting his Passover meal, this last special meal with his closest friends. So it was impromptu. It was the last minute. And the Holy Spirit orchestrated it all out at the very last moment, unexpectedly. Jesus came, just like he's going to come again unexpectedly. You don't know when he's going to come, but we got to be ready, just like that man was ready. The Holy Spirit, I don't understand it, Holy Spirit, how I'm living my life, why I'm doing what I'm doing, how I'm spending my time, my money, my talents, my treasures, but I know that at any moment he could show up, and God, my table is set, everything is in order for that great marriage supper of the Lamb, because that Passover at the first Passover was only a symbol of the one that you and I are going to have at his second coming. Because we are this man. 
We are the ones ready and waiting for the bridegroom to come again. And when Jesus steps in, it's going to be, yes, God, you've taken the first cup, and Lord, now we're waiting for that fourth cup, that redemptive cup, the one that he did not take that night. He said, I will not take in of this until I'm with my Father. And we're all together. We're going to take that last cup of the joy of what God has done. The fulfillment of all things will be complete. Think about all these things he would have had to do. Not only did this man provide all of that, and he would be a part of, again, messianic prophecy. This man would provide the most powerful moment in Christ's ministry by obeying the Holy Spirit and preparing his home for Jesus. He would also probably have somehow or another, he would have known that there is a, and and Jewish people had this a lot, but there would be a basin and a towel and some water. And with this man's water and this man's towel and this man's basin, Jesus would wash his disciples' feet and paint the most beautiful picture of what Christ was about to do. He was about to serve the whole world, become a slave to all men. That's my towel. That's my water basin. That was my wine. Those were my cups. That was my bitter herbs. This was my table. This was my upper room. This was my house. All because someone responded to a revelation they had by faith, and they were ready. It's a very special thing to be a gift giver to Jesus, because you don't know why sometimes, and you don't know when sometimes, but you know at the end of it all, it will be worth it. Whatever you give to Jesus will be worth it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. What does God have needed in your life? How are we responding, and are we ready? If he would be knocking on our door tonight and come again, would my whole house be prepared? Would, would my heart might be, be ready? I know many of us in this room, we're saved. We know Jesus. We love Jesus. You know what? I want everything to be right and in order. God, I, want, I don't want to miss any opportunities I want all of the money that I could have spent. You know, because if he comes at night and I got all this money in the bank, maybe I was supposed to use it on something. You know, because the Bible tells us we're going to be ready. We're going to be knowing the hour. We're going to sense it in urgency if we would allow ourselves not to be slumbering. I know we should have 401Ks and retirement. We should be preparing for the future. I believe in all of that. But I also know that if the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he knows the Master is coming, Maybe there's some radical, crazy things he wants us to do. Talking to somebody we've never talked to before, trying for the 14th time out of a family member or friend before his return. Maybe it's doing something extravagant with our finances. Maybe it's going all in to serving in our youth or our kids or in some other ministry God has enabled you to give through. I say, God, I, I'm prepared Maybe there's something like that man with a donkey. The Lord has need of this. Would you allow him to use it? Maybe some of us are like the man and saying, Jesus is coming. We don't know when he's coming, but will your room, will everything be in order for him that he wants to use? Your time, your talent, your treasure. So let's just take a moment to investigate our hearts. Say, God, is there anything that you can borrow in my life? Father God, Lord, right now, 
thank you for the opportunity to be here together with my friends and family. God, in this Passover week, Lord, lay it on our hearts to be gift givers, to be worshipers, to be ready, to respond to the revelation of Jesus Christ the best we know how, to be all in, radical. Let us hear clearly the Holy Spirit's voice. Let us see clearly who Jesus is. What do you want from us, O God? We don't have to earn your love. We're not here to earn your love. But, God, we just want to respond in worship. You deserve it. God, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for nailing our sin to the cross. Thank you for nailing our shame to the cross, bearing it for us, exchanging our sin and giving us your righteousness. Our right standing with God comes through you. And so, Lord, I'm asking you tonight, not for anything, Lord, too much, but, God, that you would speak to each one of our members in our assembly and challenge us to take our worship to the next level, to be radical in these last days, prepared for the King. May you take anything of our lives you want, Lord. Lord, that we freely give it. May our hands be open. Say, Lord, if you have need of this, you only need to ask. I'm ready to give. I'm ready to give. Would you invite you to stand with me tonight?